The Present by Stefan Molyneux, Chapter 11 Nothing about the way that Rachel presented herself at the conference was accidental. She was in a heedless state of pursuit, utterly without conscience. The only chance Rachel had to notice her bad conscience was to realize that she sought advice from no one, not even her sister, her closest confidant. She did think of consulting Aunt Crystal, but found herself recoiling at the possibility that the chaotic older woman might approve. There is a certain style of business outfit that radiates salacious appeal, and Rachel aimed squarely at that bullseye, and, in her estimation, hit it perfectly. Like the backup dancers in the Robert Palmer video Addicted to Love, but without the kabuki makeup. Through her experience reporting on the business world, Rachel knew that there were two types of successful conferences. The first, which attracted thousands, and the second, which attracted only dozens, but dozens of the most powerful and influential. Supply Chain Challenges was not the sexiest title in the known universe, but Rachel could tell that the attendees were wealthy and powerful. The most successful people she knew never showed off anything but their own comfort in their own being. They were easy, convivial, positive, pleasant, and ruthless when needed, of course, and wore comfortable clothes over comfortable skin. She paid the exorbitant entrance fee, then introduced herself as Rochelle, which was duly written on the white sticker she placed just below her left collarbone. She mingled pleasantly, claiming to be an observer, She went to a few presentations, which both alarmed and excited her, and then went to go and see Oliver speak. Rachel expected thunderbolts, but got only light rain. Oliver was businesslike, mildly humorous, efficient and precise in his language, and wove endless streams of data into his speech. She had images of being carried along by an undulating sine wave far off the chart into unknown blank whiteness. She did ask a few well-researched questions, which were received politely. Standing up, she felt her heart falter at the possibility that he might recognize her, but there was no sign he did. Over the lunch break, busy men and a few women dove into the glowing mini-portals of their cell phones to manage unimaginably complex and distant business affairs. Oliver sat alone in a corner of the sunlit cafeteria, staring mildly around the room, his phone nowhere to be seen. Her heart pounding, Rachel boldly walked up and sat down in front of him. The conference was being held in a science center, and the cafeteria was on the ground floor, with geographically improbable plants leaning up against the giant windows, which... In turn, were plastered with silhouettes of birds. Good afternoon, he said. Rachel was somewhat disoriented by the fact that he did not give her the usual masculine up and down, checking out her figure with the blinding speed that men imagined was unnoticeable by women. Disappointingly, he looked directly into her eyes. Her tongue froze in her mouth. She felt a sudden surge of temper as her wit and charm utterly vanished. Radiating struggle, she expected Oliver to jump in and calm or comfort her in some manner. Nope. He just gazed at her. You came to me, 
he said eventually. Rachel blinked, then cleared her throat. I did, she said in an artificially low tone, thinking, why on earth am I trying to sound like Elizabeth Holmes? He laughed. Do you want some of my food? She glanced at his wrap and salad. What? No, uh... Rachel tossed her head, suddenly nervous that it might fall off. At least that would be a conversation starter. You seem to be the most free-market-oriented speaker I've seen so far. He gazed at her. Thank you. It's a compliment. I mean, it's an observation, not a compliment. I'll take it as a compliment. Another silence. For a spasmodic moment, Rachel thought she saw Arlo with his back to her, talking on a phone. But on second glance, the figure was just a young woman with over-dyed hair. Oliver was exciting her immensely because he was not responding to her mere presence. He was not hostile. He was not curious. He was not interested. Just neutral. Waiting, it seemed. But for what? thought Rachel. Oliver looked around the room again. Rachel had a sudden urge to grab his wrap and bite half of it off. There's a lot going on inside, said Oliver. Does he mean inside the conference or inside me, thought Rachel. Oliver's tone was the tiniest bit intimate, but he was just gazing around the room. Rachel thought, I bet he would respond to honesty, but I cannot be honest. You know, it's kind of rude, said Oliver. Me? Oliver smiled. Well, yeah, you a little, but... I mean, only giving us 45 minutes for lunch. Most of us here like to grab nine bites between phone calls, and now they're just rushing us again. But, of course, most of the speakers here are just advertising themselves and pay to come, so the organizers have to jam more in to make money. You're not speaking, are you? Rachel shook her head, realizing suddenly how accurately she was manifesting his statement. After a moment, Oliver leaned forward. Are you looking for a job? I'm not sure what's going on here. Rachel felt a sudden urge to blurt out everything, confess everything, and eat his salad. She leaned forward. What are most of the people here like? In what way? Socially? Do you do business with them? Are you from California? <laughs> most young women from California phrase just about everything as a question. Rachel laughed. <laughs> Don't you know? It's rude to answer. A question with a question? Oliver smiled. Got to be for the valley. Rachel's voice grew serious. I don't socialize with business people, as a rule. Oliver considered her statement. He chose to say nothing, or had nothing to say. Rachel's words came out in a rush. I think it's crazy how much we're all taught to despise businessmen, and women, though that's rarely mentioned. But we rely on you all for, like, everything. Oliver's eyes sharpened, and she felt the first hint of curiosity. Why would I be interested in what everyone else thinks? He murmured. What do you think? I think it's a kind of death wish, said Rachel immediately. Killing the goose that lays the golden egg, that sort of thing. Setting fire to the crops you need to survive the winter. Or maybe like a drug addict burning his stash knowing that the withdrawal will probably kill him? Oliver pursed his lips. That's quite a pile of analogies. Is that what you think? Or is that what you think other people think? Oh, I'm paid to be... I'm an observer. Oliver nodded slowly. There are a lot of better views than an import-export conference. Just about everyone here sits all day and sees the sun like twice a month. We're all in danger of turning into curly fries, posture-wise. Not you, though, thought Rachel. 
Her lips were suddenly bone dry, but she steadfastly refused to lick them. The words erupted from Rachel's heart. She did not even try to stop them. My sister is having a baby, and, and she's decided to stay home. Oliver cocked his head. Listen, Rochelle. She felt a sudden shock as Oliver approximated her name. He had absorbed it through peripheral vision, perhaps, or with a glance so quick that she had not, in fact, noticed it. I don't really know what's going on here. Perhaps you will excuse me. I need to make a few phone calls. Rachel felt an urge to grab his wrist. I'm so sorry. I, I must be sounding crazy. So unprofessional. She extended her hand. You know my name. I work for, well, I'm self-employed, and I have an uncle in the business, and he suggested that I come here to find out more about these issues in, in the supply chain. You, you know, import, export. <laughs> I think there's a storm coming, or a vacuum to be more precise. I want to know, for the people I care about, everyone's noticed the shortages. Everyone thinks they're just temporary. I know it was crazy to blurt that out about my sister, but I'm worried about her and the baby, of course. A friend of mine was trying to bottle feed her baby during the infant formula crisis. It was actually pretty terrifying. I'm noticing that more and more of my orders are getting cancelled. I can't get taxis. Grocery stores are starting to look very post-Soviet. This conference is incredible. You're all basically talking about the end of the world, but no one's panicking. I liked what you had to say. I'm not an expert in no way, but I'm a pretty good judge of character, and I think that there's more that you could say. But for some reason, none of you are saying much, except to each other and in places like this. Rachel could see that Oliver was a very good listener. After a moment, he said, you'd expect that reporters from mainstream publications would be all over this conference, but... <sighs> he sighed deeply. We are trying to get the word out. No one cares, he finished simply. Why not? Oliver shrugged, and she felt faint tremors of bitterness radiating off his frame. Death wish, he murmured. Maybe you're right. He inhaled through his nose. How far along is your sister? Five months. Rachel could see various calculations racing through Oliver's mind. She knew that he had reached a conclusion long before he opened his mouth. Do you live in the city? They live in the suburbs. And you? Rachel nodded. With whom? Rachel swallowed. No one? Do you have a family cottage? Your parents? Rachel nodded. You need to think of... Oliver blinked suddenly. I need your phone. Without hesitation, Rachel handed it over. With an expert motion, Oliver popped the case and back off, then removed the battery. Nothing personal, he said flatly, placing the three pieces in front of her. That was like watching a soldier with a gun. A lot of weapons in the world. Okay, Rochelle, you need to think about a, a backup. You didn't get this from me, okay? Backup? Like, like a generator? Oliver smiled. Well, well, that wouldn't hurt either, but no, just another way to live in case the trucks stop rolling. For how long? Did you ever watch Game of Thrones? Rachel nodded. A long summer followed by a long winter. We've had free stuff paid for by money printing and debt for two generations. The winter will be very long. Are you... Feeling short of breath, Rachel leaned further forward. Are you a survivalist? Oliver shrugged, picking at the remnants of his salad. We all are. That's what animals do. What about everyone else? 
He suppressed a smile. That is a very female response. Excuse me? said Rachel sharply. Oliver was utterly unimpressed. Come on, you tell me about your sister, then immediately pivot to the world at large. You don't have any children, right? Rachel looked down, shaking her head, then gazed up at Oliver. Not yet. Oliver swallowed his last olive. You can parent your real children, or you can pretend to parent the world. The two are total opposites. Do you have any children? No. Because of what's coming? Because I haven't found the right woman. Or maybe she hasn't found you. Oliver shook his head. It's my job to look. No luck on the dating apps? Why not? You're well over six feet. Oliver's lip curled. (laughs) Women want six, six, six. Six feet tall, six pack, six figure income. It's pretty demonic, really. Dating apps are just advertisements for degeneracy. The end. You are religious. He shrugged, holding her gaze. There's no escaping that. What do you mean? We all worship something. To be more than the animals. You either worship something bigger than yourself or you worship yourself. Humility to a higher power or rampant narcissism. That's all we get. Rachel shivered. That's... Oliver laughed suddenly. (laughs) Entirely too deep for a business conference. (laughs) Sorry, you went through the portal into my other personality. I like that personality. Oliver's smile faded. Oh, everyone loves all that. And it's interesting and different. And they just get to be curious. When it becomes real and they have to make tough choices, they usually run for the hills or the dungeons. Gazing at him, Rachel imagined him sporting a medieval beard and striding through a hail of arrows. She smiled. Well, you're a little different. He smiled back. You have no idea. The blunt woman who had reminded her of Arlo walked up. She greeted Oliver warmly. He stood and shook her hand. Are you coming to the next talk? She inquired. Rachel felt her heart swell with excitement as Oliver turned down to look at her. I'm not sure, he said slowly. Stay, said Rachel, drawing a ferocious look from the blonde woman. You can watch me eat. Rachel was fascinated to watch a man torn between the wills of two women. Normally she would see alternating flashes of fear, pride, and desire. She expected Oliver to defer to whoever was the prettiest, or the most aggressive, or the most insistent. But none of that happened. Oliver just closed his eyes for a moment, then said, I'm staying. Please give Rick my apologies. The woman laughed tensely. Oh, you and your projects, she said, glancing down at Rachel. She lingered for a moment, perhaps hoping to be asked to join them? Oliver sat back down. Well, take care, Ollie, said the blonde woman, obviously planting ownership in the form of a nickname. After she left, Rachel exhaled. Well, she likes you. She does, said Oliver in a neutral tone. But I'm not sure she really wants to get to know me. Oh, poor dear, he frowned slightly. What do you mean? Well, she's very pretty and smart to be here. What's wrong with her? Do you have a problem with women in general? Oliver's frown deepened. He said, nothing. Please rush to your defense. It's expected. 
Oliver grimaced. I've never been a big fan of what is expected. Oh, a rebel, my, my. Oliver stood. I've just told you about real dangers to your, your sister and her pregnancy. What's with the stupid baby talk? Rachel's cheeks colored. Gosh, you're, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. Frivolity is a defense, I guess. After a moment, Oliver sat down and said, What is your email address? I only send to encrypted providers. Rachel told him, Okay, I'm going to send you a list. Essential supplies, everything you need. Pass it on to your sister, or her husband even better. Oliver glanced up sharply. She's married? Rachel nodded, very happily, to her high school sweetheart. That's good, murmured Oliver. Don't mess around. It's really important she gets this. What did the woman mean, your projects? Stacy? Oh, she thinks I'm a total player. Oliver sighed in exasperation. She thinks I scare women into bed, tell them about the end of the world, harvest their desperate desires. I can't imagine that, said Rachel with simple honesty. She was rewarded with a genuine smile. Are you religious? asked Oliver suddenly and held up a warning hand. And please don't give me any mumbo jumbo about spirituality. Rachel nodded. I suppose I'm not allowed to talk about being a seeker, either? Oliver laughed. <laughs> God, no. Oh, who I think I was in a past life? All my eerie psychic abilities? All my endless sympathies towards the marginalized? All my love of democracy? Exactly how many clichés would you like me to manifest, friend Oliver? It was the first time she had used his name. He threw back his head and laughed. <laughs> so, you just sit down here and tell me that your sister is pregnant... But then when I ask you a direct question, you give me the runaround? Exactly how mad are you? Rachel smiled. You have no idea. They stared at each other for a moment, lost in the shock of a surprising conversation. A door opened, and a fat janitor entered the room, wheeling a supply cart. He had a thin beard across his cheeks that struggled to imitate a visible jawline. Rachel said, Tell me about this other personality. Are you a feminist? replied Oliver instantly. In Rachel's jumpy heart, in that most ancient of human dances, desire battled ideology. Slightly short of breath, she shrugged. I don't know what that means anymore. I like equality. I like, echoed Oliver. In that moment, he reminded her of Arlo, who seemed to be constantly trying to get her to listen to herself. I like, as in, I prefer, it is superior to inequality. His eyes narrowed. What do you mean by inequality? Rachel waved her hands. Well, when there is a certain disparity of outcomes in society, it tends to destabilize things, creates a lot of resentment, and this may very well be due to a kind of bigotry or hostility on the part of those in charge, those with, with the most res resources. Rachel almost trailed off. The usual energetic insistence behind the words faded on her tongue. Oliver pointed at the pudgy janitor emptying a garbage can. Would you date him? Rachel smiled. I wouldn't automatically exclude him. Oliver stood. Shall I bring him over? You said you were single. Rachel stared at his belt buckle, then looked up. We're just having a Conversation? I know, murmured Oliver. 
I'm afraid that's all this is. What do you mean? Sit down. He sat and brushed his dark hair back from his broad forehead. Everyone loves the idea of equality until it affects their own choices. Oliver exhaled deeply. You and I both know that you would never give that janitor the time of day and would consider it a real insult if he asked you out. You're looking for a high-quality man. I'm fine with that. Good for you. Which means you have to reject the vast majority of men. (laughs) You can see that half-smile, by the way. I know that you love the idea, the compliment, that you are in a position to choose with regards to men. Women always talk about equality, but the bassist never gets any groupies. Have you ever been in a polyamorous relationship? Rachel shuddered slightly. God, no, though I don't oppose them in the abstract. So you prefer a monopoly with your partner, monogamy. You don't share him, he doesn't share you. Rachel laughed in a brittle manner. Oh, but that's just sex, not property or money, that kind of redistribution. But money is sex for men. What? Excuse me? Oliver's eyes seemed to have lost the ability to blink. Men exist to provide resources for women and children. The more resources we can provide, the higher quality woman we can attract. Taking away a man's... Oliver changed course without warning. Look, there are women out there who have no hair. Would you be willing to shave your head to provide wigs for them? But then I would be a woman without hair. Cut it very short then. I would do that for a a, a family member. Right. You would not be willing to give up something attractive about you in order to help someone else. Rachel smiled. I would consider it... Oliver laughed. (laughs) Oh, come on. You haven't done it, and you won't do it, and I don't blame you. I'm just pointing it out. I don't get your point. If I said the government should cut off your hair and hand it out to less attractive women, you would consider that a grave violation, a great evil, right? Rachel shrugged. Let's say that I would. So what? This is what men face in society. Women vote to take away our sexual market value, our money, our resources, our income, and consider that moral and right. But if men would vote to take away women's sexual market value, that would be horrifying, evil. Are we really going to open this can of worms? Oliver leaned forward. Oh, it's already open. You don't think women pay taxes? He snorted. Women get about half a million dollars more out of the government than they pay in. For men, it's the reverse. Oliver smiled. Sorry, didn't mean to imply that you are bad at math. But women do the vast majority of unpaid labor. Housework, child rearing, you name it. Rochelle, said Oliver softly, if it is truly unpaid, how do the women survive? She blinked. I don't follow. If housework, women's housework, is truly unpaid, how do they afford the house? Silence. How do they pay the bills? Who pays the bills? Silence. Your sister, she's going to stay home with the baby. You call that unpaid labor? But who pays her bills then? Her husband. Her husband, yes. But some women work and some men stay home with the children and and do the housework. So? So that's the opposite of what you're saying. Oliver tilted his head forward slightly. How so? Well, because, because the roles are reversed. Again. So? How does that alter the principle? It... If I throw a ball up, Then it falls down. Has the principle of gravity been reversed? Well, no, but women are underpaid. Change of topic. Sign of defeat. I concede nothing. (laughs) You were young and pretty. Why should you? Smiled Oliver. 
the brief silence. Despite herself, Rachel glowed. You're saying that men defer to me because I am, as you say, pretty? I'm saying that men who refused to defer to women over the course of our evolution tended to reproduce less. There were times in history when ten women reproduced for every one man. (laughs) You joked earlier about telepathy in past lives, and it was funny. But those silly beliefs generally exist in the female population because men want to reproduce more than they want to correct silly beliefs in women. This is called the gish gallop. Oliver waved his hand. I know we have a lot of topics. Let's talk about income inequality. Women make 70 cents on the dollar, and that's a sign of sexism and patriarchy, right? I wouldn't put it that way. How would you put it? Because women do the majority of housework and child raising, they're less available to the marketplace. Because employers are nervous about women getting pregnant, they tend to hire men. Because women are perceived to be over-emotional and intellectually inferior, they, we, go to the back of the line at hiring time. When children and relatives, especially parents, get sick, women end up taking care of them. Women perform more community charity, have generally more demands outside of work, and don't get enough sleep in this modern utopia we call society. Men get to be single-minded. Women have to juggle about a thousand balls. Of course that has an effect in the workplace. Oliver nodded slowly. In your family, growing up, who paid most of the bills? I'm not privy to the financial records of my parents, Oliver sighed. If you had to guess, Rachel pursed her lips. My father, who mostly paid for your mother's food, shelter, health care, clothing, vacations, meals out, and so on. My mother worked damn hard, thank you very much. Oliver was unruffled. That's not what I asked. Can you repeat my question back? This isn't kindergarten. Then it should be easy. Rachel sighed in exasperation. Who paid my mother's bills? Well, first of all, she was very frugal. And second, yes, in return for all the work she was doing, my father did pay the bills. Oliver's tone was soft, almost gentle. Did your father thank your mother? Show appreciation for all the work she did? Rachel smiled thinly. He was pretty good at that. So he thanked her for the meals and raising the kids and running the household. Yeah, yes, he did. How often? Well, most days, as part of grace, he thanked her for the meals. When he was looking for something, which happened a lot, she would always know where it was, and he would thank her for that. When I was a baby, I think she got sick, so I had to go into daycare. But she kept going, kept things together. He thanked her for that. And for living. He really praised her for visiting his mother in the hospital. She almost lived there for a while, but... Rachel's voice caught in her throat. She was appreciated, murmured Oliver. Yeah. Have you also thanked your mom for everything she did? Yes, not as much as my father did. I should really... Tell her more. What happened to your grandmother? Rachel blew out of breath. (sighs) She had a long illness. Drained the life right out of us for a while. Quite a while. Death is kind of a vampire. Oliver nodded. It can be. I'm, I'm sorry. Rachel shrugged. Long time ago now. Oliver took a deep breath. I'm glad your mother feels appreciated. It's important, right? For women, it's pretty much everything. So, so... Oliver's face was very still as he spoke. Rochelle, how often have you thanked your father 
for going to work and paying the bills. Silence. Silence and shock. Oliver said, How often did your mother thank your father for going to work and paying all the bills? Silence. You claim to like equality, but you and I both know that your father barely heard a word of praise or gratitude for his decades of hard labor. Oliver's voice grew even softer. We also know that your dad risked divorce if he did not appreciate your mother. But your mother had no fear of him leaving her if she failed to appreciate him. At least, as far as you know, out in the open. Rachel frowned. Oh, he knows that we appreciate him? How? Well, his wife loves him. We all love him. I I do say that. We all do. Do you also say that you love your mother? Of course. So, if saying that you love someone is enough for her to feel appreciated, why do you also need to tell your mom how much you appreciate her housework? Rachel's brows knit together. It's like women need to feel a reason as to why they are loved. Men just accept love without needing more. I think... What you think is... Oliver sighed. How do you think your father would react if you told him how much you appreciate him getting up and going to work for decades to provide for his family? I don't know. Rachel's voice was honest and openly curious. Oliver rapidly reassembled her phone and handed it over. Why don't you call him and find out? Rachel laughed. <laughs> oh, I, I, I can't. Because her cheeks turned slightly red. Oh, because... Because... He's at work, said Oliver softly. He's not... <laughs> he doesn't like to be interrupted. When he's done work, you should tell him. Rachel's head jerked back. This has turned all kinds of psychological all of a sudden. It's not psychological at all, said Oliver flatly. It's political. Me telling my dad I appreciate him is political? Deeply political. It's all about power. Rachel snorted. (laughs) What power? Thanking people is a sign of equality, which you say you love so much. The mistress does not thank her slave. The king does not thank his peasants. Thanking people reminds them that they do not have to serve you, that you appreciate the favors. Men are afraid of women leaving them and taking half their stuff or more, so we constantly thank and praise women. Women don't have to worry about men running off or actually running out of resources. Women don't have to show appreciation for men because they can get men's resources by force. Rachel paused. Oh, this is the part of the conversation you talked about earlier when people don't like your second personality. Yes. But, okay, I'll bite. How do women get men's resources by force? Well, through voting, of course. Women vote to take away men's money. That's the welfare state, socialized medicine, retirement pensions, cushy government jobs all over the place, mostly staffed by women. Men use welfare, health care, and pensions? exclaimed Rachel. Of course. But in every country, they only came into effect after women got the vote. And women use them far more than men do. And Oliver held up his hand to forestall her response. The point is, 
when have women ever gotten together and thanked men for all the taxes that men pay to keep women in comparative luxury? What are you talking about? Oliver's voice rose slightly. Where is the appreciation? Everyone talks about the wage gap. No one ever talks about the tax gap. Men pay far more in taxes than women do, and women take far more government benefits than men do. The state is a giant machine that transfers wealth from men to women. Are we ever thanked for that? No, because we are in a master-slave relationship with women. All this talk about the patriarchy is just a cover for what's really going on, what is statistically verifiable. We live in a predatory political matriarchy. (laughs) And all this, I can see, comes as a complete shock to you. And you would totally pass a lie detector test if you were asked to condemn the patriarchy. Essential information has been constantly withheld from you, and false narratives have been implanted. Oliver snapped his fingers. The media is the matrix. You are hypnotized, my friend. You are sleepwalking. Wake up. Rachel shook her head slightly, shivering. This is also one-sided. It's not one-sided. It's just the other side, which you view as extreme because of how far you are from the truth. She snorted. Women benefit most from the government. Have you ever heard of the military-industrial complex? Who runs that? Little old blue-haired ladies? Oh, we're going to talk about the military, said Oliver scornfully. When did you have to register for the draft? Men start most of the wars don't know. Factually false. Female rulers start more wars than male rulers. And how many men do you know who have the power to start a war? But most of the men you know can be drafted at a moment's notice to go and die in a war started by the rulers. Is that the patriarchy? Do you really think that if men ruled the world, we would have designed a system where we pay most of the taxes, get few of the benefits, die sooner, get killed or injured on the job far more than women, lose custody of our children, have to pay alimony and child support for decades, and go to jail if we can't, if we lose our job or get sick? Do you really think that this is the best that male genius and the patriarchy could possibly have come up with? The system that is supposed to benefit men robs us blind? kills us younger, smashes our families, throws us in jail, far more than women, by the way, for the exact same crimes, and you think that we actually invented this system that destroys us? Because, because why? What is the evidence that the system benefits men at all? More men are in positions of power, ruled over by female voters, and most men are exploited by political power, not in charge of it. Then you all should take charge. Ah, said Oliver, his voice becoming soft again. So we are not in charge. And you see the dynamic here. I'm sure you do. You're very smart. You have been trained to attack any complaints about inequality coming from men. We're not allowed to complain. We just have to go to work and pay the bills. Like livestock. Like cattle. Like slaves. Rachel rolled her eyes. You think you're a slave? How much did you make last year? $275,000. How much did you pay in taxes last year? Rachel swallowed. Well, I'm, I'm self-employed, so I have a lot of deductions. How much? I got a refund. So, I paid well over $100,000 in taxes, and you got 
a refund. Oliver leaned forward from my wallet. (laughs) And do you thank me? You do not. When I complain, you attack me because you own me. You exploit me. And everyone tells you that you are a victim. And you believe them. Oliver's words were angry, but his tone was sorrowful. And I'm not mad at you. I genuinely sympathize with you. It's a horrible situation to keep reality away from people, to bury injustice in propaganda. It means that your conscience will get you when you least expect it. That is why you are so nervous. It's also unfair, so wrong. You should never have been lied to in that way. But you have some responsibility as well, Rochelle. This information has been available for decades. But at this point in your life, that's too costly to turn around to learn about true equality and sympathy and simple gratitude. Oliver gestured at the room, the windows, the city. Everything around you is built by men. And being appreciated is everything for men as well. And we are starving out here. And to be honest, this is why the men here at this conference aren't doing much to sound the alarm about what is coming. Half of them have been destroyed in family courts and the other half saw their fathers going through the same machinery. Why would they work to save a system that destroys them? He shrugged. I'm afraid that most of the men here are in the let it burn category. Rachel shivered. And you? Oliver shrugged. I don't really think my opinion means that much. It's burning either way. Rachel swallowed. And your point in telling me all this? Oliver smiled suddenly. Don't you ever just want to tell the truth? It feels good. Rachel smiled back. Oliver said, Who is Arlo? She started. What? Arlo, said Oliver patiently. Before I turned your phone off, I saw the notifications. Arlo is a friend of mine. Not a boyfriend? Rachel paused. Sometimes we are more than... (laughs) we We are friends with benefits. How long have you been friends with benefits? A while. Oliver sighed. That's the issue you have. You have been convinced that you are a victim, so your lack of conscience is dangerous to you and to others. He stood up abruptly. Listen, I really have enjoyed the conversation. I'm going. Rachel's sudden words erupted from a panicked corner of her heart. What? What should I do? For heaven's sake, said Oliver gently, leaning over her. Go to church. <laughs>